This is Designing the Revolution, Chapter 30, The Constitution, Part 2. Okay, <laughs> going to get into the nuts and bolts of the Constitution. So, as I was saying last time, right, I'm going to be going into quite a lot of detail. I'm actually going to be making some decisions. I'm going to be arguing why those decisions are a good idea but it's not the last word in the matter. I'm doing this to sort of try and engage with you guys. So you're thinking, oh yeah, that's a good point. You know, well, how about that? Maybe that should be slightly different because this is the whole point, right, of this, you know, big social movement, social transformation is there's millions of people actually starting to think about how we want to be governed, you know, what government looks like in the 21st century because We've transitioned from that capitalist realism, left defeatist paradigm of, oh, you know, nothing's going to happen, to loads of things are going to happen. We want to have our say and we want to actually look at the details, right? Don't want to leave it to the, the rich guys. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, right. All right then. So, so what we have then is we've had this big ritual it's a bit camp, it's a bit modern, it's a bit self-depreciating, it's, it's a thing. And you've got your thousand people who've been selected by sortition, they're in this big hall um, and they're going, right, okay, we're running the show now, okay? So the first thing that appears, of course, is, okay, there's things to decide and we want to have a citizen assembly on this thing that needs to be decided. So let's just choose something like childcare, for instance, like we've talked about this a bit. What should we do about childcare? It's a big issue, you know, there's, there's money issues, there's who gets it, how it relates to work, um, how it relates to what men do, what women do, you know, it's quite complicated. Okay, so you have a citizen assembly. And then you want a citizens' assembly on the transport policy, right? You want to look at quite a big area, transport policy, you know, trains, cars, uh, the transition, da la la Okay, you have a citizens' assembly on this. So what we're going to call these is subject matter assemblies for the sake of argument, right? And they might last for, you know, two or three weekends and something small, but generally maybe because you've got all the state's resources and you're actually doing the real deal, you, maybe it's going to be three months, maybe it's going to be six months. It doesn't want to go on for ages, obviously, but you need to do it. And people are going to be selected from this pool. So these thousand people, it's a bit like extended jury service. Let's say you're, you're on for a year. So it's for one year and you might be asked to do, say, you know, three months of citizens' assemblies. So you don't have to give your job up necessarily. Um, but you might, because you might be asked to do a longer one and obviously be financially compensated. You're not going to get loads of money, obviously, because that's all corrupting, but you're not going to be left out. So poor people can obviously participate. They're going to be fully compensated. In fact, they'll be making more money, but not massively more money than they were making before. So everyone's happy. All these thousand people are happy and they're going, yeah, you know, this is my civic duty. I'm going to go on two subject matter assemblies. They're going to start on these dates. They're going to, you know, take place in different parts of the country. So it's all decentralised. And we're going to come out with a set of policy decisions. Um, so another element that's been suggested when I was talking to the humanity people and the people in Yale is, OK, so this is an opportunity to have quite a lot of expertise. 
and obviously there's going to be a big range of inputs you know left wing right wing um, different demographics different philosophies it's going to be necessarily pluralistic and you want to hear it from some experts because these things are complicated so one way of selecting experts is instead of experts self-selecting themselves and saying well you've got to have this guy from Oxford and all this sort of thing you actually allow people in the country to actually nominate people who will be on this assembly or at least speak to it so this is called liquid democracy so you give your vote as it were to someone else who actually knows about it and those people then go and decide who the experts are so you have this uh, everyone participating in the decision about which experts talk to the citizen assembly it sounds a little bit a meandering thing but if you think about it for a minute the experts need to be pluralistic you know one of the big criticisms of citizens assemblies is is the people in power decide who the people are who talk to the citizens assembly well it's not surprising they're going to come out with fairly sort of limp stuff or liberal stuff because it's dominated by the frames and the opinions of the elite and this you know doesn't necessarily have to be you know blunt and brutal sort of stuff it can be subtle right you know this is one of the big areas of political debate which is around who gets to set the agenda but you know it's never going to be perfect but it could be improved loads <clears throat> if you have this liquid democracy system specifically for what we'll see is sort of bottom rung uh, citizens assemblies you know let's have a look at this it's a bit like having a people's commission and we're going to come up with these recommendations so just to summarize you have the thousand people in the citizens assembly by lot by chance a hundred of those people will be selected to look at childcare it'll be a three month um, session you know three or four days a week and there'll be a whole bunch of um, experts and these are going to be selected by people nominating people who will then select them from the whole population okay sounds pretty good right you know not perfect but a massive improvement on everything being dominated by elites directly or indirectly okay so you know some of you might be thinking this or you should be thinking this which is okay so we have all these assemblies they come up with you know these are the five things we want on childcare sounds pretty good they're going to cost money and they're also going to interact with other areas of policy right so you know employment law for instance so one of the problems of just doing assemblies on one thing is is how does it actually fit in how does it fit in financially you know who, who should get what money and how does it fit in policy wise with is it coherent does it fit in with a whole bunch of other legislation that's coming through all the citizens assemblies so the idea is to have an aggregation assembly again I'm giving these things names you know you might over the coming years you know when these things start reaching traction they might be called something else but I'm going to call it an aggregation assembly so again this is selected by from the thousand person sort of pool and they're going to look at two things which is the budget and 
and the coherence of the legislation. So with the budget, this is really a reflection of um, participatory budgeting principle what happened in Porto Alegre, which we talked about a few times, which is, okay, there's a certain amount of money uh, we've got in the budget, and we've got, you know, to simplify somewhat, we've had 10 assemblies, they want these amounts of money, there's people maybe coming from those assemblies to uh, summarise and support their proposition. And then the aggregation assembly is going to look at the whole. They're going to aggregate the whole situation and go, you know what, childcare is really important, but what we need to do is support refugees and we're going to have a welfare system, you know, universal basic income, for instance. So we can't give you all the money you want for your um, childcare uh, situation and we're going to give you 70% of it and we're going to review it next year and there can be another citizen's assembly right now going on the actual empirical record of the Porto Alegre system where there were regional assemblies and they'd come with their sort of you know requests for budgets for their particular geographical areas of the city with this it's more like uh, policy areas but the main takeaway from Porto Alegre at its best was because it's ordinary people, because you haven't got special interests coming in trying to nobble people and what have you, basically you can come to a rational decision in so much as, you know, that has meaning. I mean, it has some meaning. Obviously, there's ideological stuff still in the space. But what's exciting, I think, is the idea ordinary people are pretty unegoy. This is the whole point, right? They're not, they're not going to push their you know, feet in, have some big psychodrama about it. They're going to be get together, get together and go, OK, this is good enough to go, right? You know, it's not going to be perfect, but it's good enough to go. There's give and take. Everyone knows, you know, ordinary people know about give and take. You know, that's what life is about. So it's going to be pleasant. There's going to be ordinary people. It's going to be half women. Obviously, that's going to help. da lum bum bum right? The second side of it is, is a little bit more complicated, which is, for the sake of argument, I'm going to call it like policy cohesion. In other words, um, you know, as I've just said, you've got the, the um, childcare assembly and then you've got employment law assembly and they're jagged, you know, it doesn't really fit together. So again, this is like a higher assembly which goes, okay, we're looking at all this legislation and we're going to make it coherent. And that means some people aren't going to get what they want, right? But it's necessary because someone has to make the decision, right? And it's better that it's done in a formalised, you know, uh, accountable and aggregating way with a sortition-based assembly called this aggregation assembly. Now, people might sit on that, you know, for a year, right? And the reason they sit on it for a year is it's actually, you need some experience. Um, so some of those people, uh, from that thousand people, you know, a lot of these people would do, say, six months. But some people would accept a year and say, actually, yeah, I'm happy to give a year of my life to helping the country, you know, make good decisions. And, um, and they sit on it. And then there'll be a rotation system where every six months, you know, 50 of those people would step down and you get new people but you'd always have what you might call the veterans in the space so that they sort of can say, oh, yeah, we had that problem. We, weren't, we learned from that. Again, there's going to be experts in that space and they could be selected by this 
liquid democracy mechanism rather than coming down one way or another from various elites or special interests. Okay, so that's getting us somewhere, right? It's getting us somewhere. It's a bit like, okay, we've got these commissions and then we've got the parliament, right? Okay, we've got the citizens' assemblies uh, doing particular stuff, the subject matter citizens' assemblies, and then we've got this aggregation. So far, so good. But there's another element, uh, what you might call objective element of governance, which is making short-term fast reaction decisions, okay? So it's not all about legislation. It's a bit like, oh, there's been a massive flood in Cornwall, or, you know, there's been a spy scandal or something, you know, or there's a big dispute between workers and management up in Manchester and the government needs to get involved. There's always events, as some prime minister said, I've forgotten his name. Um, there's always going to be things which require quick decisions if good decisions are going to be made. Okay, So there's a third assembly, which is what I'm going to call the executive assembly. The executive assembly uh, makes quick decisions and again is nominated for a year because these people again need to know, get to know the, the lay of the land as you might say, it's quite tricky. They need to be supported by quite complicated information and, and what have you. Um, and I'm, I'm just looking at my notes here because I couldn't decide, I can't decide personally whether they should be selected by sortition. The advantage of that is that, um, you know, you get only ego -y people, you get the cross-section and all the rest of it. But there is an argument, and I don't know what you think about this, but there is an argument that really you want people in the executive role not just to be pretty smart in a fairly, you know, conventional way, uh, a definition of that, but also you need people to be fairly charismatic because they're going to be on the TV on the TV, you know, they're going to have to sit in the room sorting problems out. They're, in a way, they're representing the, the country in a way that a president or a prime minister would have. So I, on balance, I think the people who are on the executive assembly, which should only be about 15, 15 people, should be elected. Because let's say you get six months in into your thousand person assembly. By that time, people are getting to know each other they're getting to know that that guy's actually really cool. You know, that single mother from Basingstoke is actually a really charismatic, straightforward, you know, straight down the line person. And they should be like running the country. Why not? Right. So the, the idea is, is people get nominated. Maybe you need like 10 nominees and there's an open hustings. Everyone in the country can see it. And those thousand people vote for those 15 people. Once it's established, then again, you can have this rotation system that, you know, seven people step down every six months and some others move up. And there may be arguments for these people to sit for two years. And this, you know, this, this is, you know, these are the fine, finer points. As I said in the last episode, you want some plurality on this. You know, you want some countries to experiment with two years. You want some countries to experiment with voting. And then 
from a social scientific point of view you can study it and go actually that didn't really work out very well and you can have a debate about it and and you can start start tweaking the system it's never going to be perfect but you've got this constant tweaking going on anyway so there you go you've got your subject matter assemblies you've got this aggregation assembly and you've got the executive um, and um, and that that has to be designed right uh, and limited and written down what the executive decides and what the legislature decides in other words there's there's a bit of a gray area right it's a bit like okay we're going to go in and sort that you know dispute out in Manchester but we're not going to start you know creating um, legis legislation on employment practices we want to have a, a citizens assembly on that uh, a subject matter citizens assembly so in a minute we're going to come on to the judiciary in other words when disputes happen we you know when these gray areas happen then there'll be another group that will arbitrate and on, on that but before we get there we're going to come on to the implementation assembly okay so if you're like a political science nerd a bit like me and maybe some of you are as well right you'll know that these perennial problems okay in governance you know who makes the decisions you know democracy versus talent um, how you work out budgeting all this sort of stuff another major problem is how you pro stop um, the civil service and or private interests messing up the implementation of the assembly so you know you can be quite naive about this and say hey great we've created this you know this whole policy on childcare. that's great and and then you give it to a bunch of civil servants and you know local government bureaucrats to to uh, implement and there's this what's called agent principle problem which is principal agent problem is it where the people that make the decision aren't the people that implement it and of course the people that implement it are human beings and they have their own interests and arguably to a certain extent they will manipulate that legislation to support their own interests and sometimes you know you can do that in horrendous corruptible ways and sometimes it's just some sort of implicit bias that they may have the solution to this as in the as is the sort of meta solution to the whole problem of governance is accountability and openness in other words when you have your childcare legislation and you're implementing it in Basingstoke there's a committee and it's televised uh, and on that committee you have half uh, people selected randomly from the thousand person assembly so it's like half a citizens assembly and half the people on it are the civil servants because there's quite a lot of technical knowledge involved in actually getting things to work but you've got the bus driver from Glasgow there going hang on a minute you know I'm not stupid that's just not a good idea uh, so and it's all being televised so you can see how it's working so people you know some retired guy in Newcastle is going to go you know I'm going to be watching the childcare TV and I'm going to you know I'm going to be putting on my blog or whatever what's going on with it in other words there's going to be eyes you know there's going to be these citizens uh, journalist type eyes looking at it all the time okay again that's not you know it's not going to be 
utopia, there's always going to be scandals, you know, someone's civil servant gets paid by a company, you know, someone else knows someone and wants to get money, you know, all this sort of stuff happens, but it's a massive improvement because you've got the accountability and you've got the sortition principle and you've got the expertise of the civil service. Which brings me on to the next, the next uh, section, which is the civil service. Okay, so this brings us on to this broader problem, right, which is in a mass, massively complicated, complex social system, society, you need massive amounts of specialisation to keep the show on the road. And um, in other words, you need a civil service. You need a civil service in the centre of the system, you need a civil service like on the local level. Um, and the problem with civil services, obviously, is they tend to be you know, intrinsically conservative. They don't want that much change. They think they, uh, you know, they think they know how to do things, but maybe they don't. And, and they basically obstruct, you know, people coming in who have been democratically elected or, you know, the citizens' assembly, and they want this, and the old, you know, the, the civil service people go, oh, you can't have it, this yes minister sort of stuff. On the other hand, you know, to give them their fair a fair sort of summary of what they would say, they would say, look, things are really complicated. You get someone coming in who really doesn't know what they're doing, you can just mess things up and it's, you need some expertise. Yeah, definitely the case. So as far as I'm aware, the, the best way of dealing with this is to have a bit of a messy compromise. So we've already spoken about these implementation assemblies. <coughs> But you can also do things with the civil service, you know, sort of no-brainer reforms, which is open it up to a wider range of people, you know, so people in the country who are from poorer backgrounds or less confident or from um, different, uh, different backgrounds, religious or racial backgrounds, immigrants, all this sort of stuff, are proactively selected and encouraged to be part of this civil service. So the civil service reflects the society as a whole. And there could be a citizens' assembly on this, of course, on, on reforming the civil service and other, you know, public institutions. Um, secondly, they take an oath. So they take an oath to this new constitution. So it's clear. I mean, an oath isn't anything, everything, but, you know, these ceremonies are important and people have been doing them for thousands of years. And you say, I'm not taking an oath to the king, right? I'm not taking an oath... To the Labour Party. I'm not taking an oath to, you know, doing well for myself. I am taking an oath to the British people, to the French people, whatever it is, to humanity at large, and I am going to do the best that I can to serve, be in service to them. So that's something. And then, of course, you've got this ongoing training programme uh, of, of bringing in the social science and uh, people being continually, like, engaged in the co-creation of an effective civil service. Okay, so as you can see, I'm not, you know, you could do a whole, a whole uh, podcast series, right, on governance and this new constitution. And as I'm doing this, I'm thinking, oh God, you know, we really should do something about how, you know, how the police force is, is, is organised, obviously a really controversial subject, the army, I'm probably going to be dealing with this a bit more in the add-ons about war and peace and what have you. Uh, but 
maybe you can work that out for yourself, right? You know, again, there's going to be tensions between expertise, accountability. Obviously, with police and the army, it's like, how much do you want these people in the system anyway? You know, maybe, you know, prison service, all this sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm suggesting there's a general design here, right? Which is have a sort of commission by a subject matter assembly, things go into the aggregate assembly, you have this democratization of expertise, you have trainings, oaths and such like. Okay, but one area that I do want to talk about in a bit more detail is the judiciary. So when we, in the Humanity Project, we did it in the room, we, interestingly, we were more conservative than the Yale people. So I was, you know, I was going, oh yeah, well, you know, my hunch is, is, is with judges, and lawyers, it's pretty complicated, right? I mean, I've been in a few court cases, dare I say, and you want to be put, have people who are trained in the law. Um, so the, what we came up with in the back room uh, session was the judiciary is independent, right? And it isn't, the, the judges are not selected by sortition. The judges are actually come through you know, through a hierarchy, as it were, of, of development, you know, the start at the bottom and become a mid-level judge and then, and, and such like, and move, and move upwards. Obviously, there's the issue of access, which we've talked about in terms of civil service, which is that, which is people from uh, marginalised backgrounds and all the rest of it are encouraged proactively to participate and enter into the judiciary, a bit like the civil service, so that the judiciary reflects, you know, not just men of a certain age from Oxbridge, but reflects people from all walks of life. Okay, so on the other hand, right, what the Yale people were saying, if I remember them rightly, and hopefully I'm, <laughs> I've got this right, is they were saying, no, 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 let's have some sortition. So let's say you have a court case, you know, there's always going to be court cases because people are always going to be going, someone did something bad to me, and the other person is going, no, I didn't. Well, you're going to have to sort that out one way or another. So you're going to have to have some form of trial or court. Why don't you have several judges? Half of them are come through the system, as it were, and half of them are sortition-based uh, selected ordinary people. So again, you get the best of both worlds, arguably. Again, it's not going to be perfect. It's still going to make mistakes, but it's a big advance on what came before. Okay. Um, so yes, you know, just to make clear on this point is there's lower courts, you know, which are dealing with these small disputes. There's an appeal process. This seems pretty sensible. You know, someone thinks, no, no, that was really terrible. I've just been in the court case. Some of you may know, you know, it was a rubbish, rubbish trial. We're going to go to appeal. Yes, absolutely. You know, sometimes court cases turn into a mess inadvertently. It's difficult, right? making decisions about what should, and should, should or shouldn't happen in terms of justice. It's not a straightforward process. So then you have the middle courts and then you have this Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court basically deals with court cases which are really complicated uh, and, uh, and they make a final judgment. Someone has to make a final judgment. So who's the Supreme Court? <laughs> so this is interesting um, because not only does the Supreme Court make decisions on uh, court cases, they're also going to arbitrate when the aggregation assembly 
conflicts with the subject matter assembly, for instance. Subject matter assembly might go, no, no, you know, you're, you're ruining all our, our proposals. It's all rubbish. We need someone to arbitrate. Goes to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, the, the civil service is an open arms about the implementation assemblies. You know, they want more power. Again, it's a sort of constitutional issue. So the Supreme Court, let's go for half people being voted on it for a year from the Citizens' Assembly, a bit like the Aggregate Assembly, and half are, are specialists that have spent 40 years doing the law. Again, you get both best of both worlds. And of course, you can have Citizens' Assemblies on the constitutional, on constitutional developments. Okay, so in short, like that's, that's the new constitution. That's the battle cry, as it were, for the 21st century in terms of this fundamental reform of, the, of society and politics, which is this new citizen, citizen assembly-based, thousand-person-based assembly. And yes, you know, it's being, going to be combined with social movement, sort of confrontational sort of politics still going to be there. Yes, there's going to be this big debate around the spiritual and cultural basis of society, how people treat each other, new ethical culture. Um, there's lots more to be done, right, to oil the wheels, as it were. But at the end of the day, you need to make these decisions about who makes decisions on what. And this looks pretty cool. That's the plan. All right. So there's something else, which is how often... Um, do you have to shake the whole thing up? So, as I said at the beginning of this of this session, right, you know, there's lots of people who think constitution a bit rubbish because they get really stale and inert and what have you. Um, we had uh, a chat with this guy, I've forgotten his name now, who wrote, where is it? Um, he's a famous science fiction writer. And, um, yeah, he wrote into us and forgot his book. Um, Ministry for the Future, that's right, I forgot his name. Anyway, he wrote and said, no, you know, I don't want to be involved in this. You know, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. <laughs> you know, but he made a cool point, which was, you know, look, it all needs to be a lot more flexible. You know, people need to be able to trust each other and make decisions and drill my bump. So, you know, that's something to argue about. And I'm sure even when there's a constitution or a citizen assembly, there will be these debates. But... In the real world, it's always going to be, you know, a bit of one and a bit of the other, right? Obviously, the extremes are going to be dysfunctional. Oh, yeah. Kim Stanley, Stanley Robinson. Hi, Kim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK, so Ministry for the Future, you can read his sort of take on everything. Uh, all right. OK, so here's, here's the idea. So the Yale people, I think they said 30 years. To my mind, 30 years sounds too much. So I'm going for every 10 years. Every 10 years, there's a new citizen assembly selected by sortition, fresh people coming in, whole liquid democracy process of people selecting their people's experts, as it were, and they're going to sit there for a good few months. They're going to look at it all. They're going to take petitions. They're going to take, uh, you know, reports. It's complicated business. And they're going to go, actually, this doesn't work. That needs changing. That's actually cool. And that one, we're going to look at it again in two years. And the whole process is going to be 
reformed or is open to being reformed by this new citizens assembly and um i think that sounds good and remember right this is a citizens assembly is going to have 16 year olds on it right it's going to have 82 year olds on it it's going to have you know asian people black people people you know it's going to have everyone and it's going to be glorious because all these people apart from having their own perspectives are just going to have a great time feeling like they're participating in the governance of their society and it's going to make people so much more enthusiastic about politics about social decisions about about their society they live in um, so it's going to be good for mental health I haven't got this down but I'm going off a tangent here. it is going to be really good for mental health because so much of our mental health crisis is due to people not feeling like they're participating and co-creating their social space whether that's what happens at work whether what that happens you know in the local community but especially what's ha what happens on a regional and national and of course international level so you know sounds good all right now last thing is yeah, yep there's quite a few bits on this isn't there <laughs> so the last thing is is um, when we had our backroom discussion again one of the things we weren't very good on or we sort of forgot was a constitution doesn't just state how you make decisions a constitution also doesn't have to but arguably it should actually state fundamental rights of people and over the last 30 40 years you know the whole human rights thing has developed and you know it's got its plus points obviously people do have inalienable rights but there's, you know, there's a counter move on saying this is, is you know, it creates inflexibility, in, messes around with individual freedom, all this sort of stuff, and you can take it too far. So let's say, for the sake of argument, we're going to have a constitution, though, that does state absolute uh, rights. And those are going to be rights of the person, they're going to be rights of animals, and they're going to be rights of nature. And this is what the 21st century constitution is going to look like. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to spend the next 15 minutes speculating on where the balance is and all of those. But all of you listening, you're probably thinking, yeah, you know, human rights can't just kill people. You can't, you know, put people in jail for, you know, no particular reason, fair trial. You know, you can go and read about it. There's a whole bunch of stuff about it. The innovation is this needs to apply to the whole ecosphere right the whole of the planet animals nature all the rest of it for the obvious reason that we've totally messed up because all those all those elements of the system haven't been given rights and then therefore they get exploited and all the rest of it now the question I just want to you know complete the circle on of course is is who decides on those rights and how do those rights change well who decides obviously is going to be this big constitutional assembly I think they had one in Iceland you know which gave you know collective social control over uh, over the minerals and all this sort of thing I think there was one in Chile recently which is arguably a good case study of over egging the pudding you know got really complicated rights for loads of different uh, people maybe it was a good idea maybe it wasn't you know go and discuss that um, so these you know these constitutions are already being formed um, so the, the, the citizens assembly this big citizens assembly creates the new constitution as happened in Iceland 
Um, and then arguably uh, every 10 years it's reviewed, right? Because the whole constitution is reviewed with the new citizens' assembly. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so now I am going to spend 10 minutes <laughs> rapidly going through a sort of grey area between the constitution, right, and social legislation. So you might think, oh, this is a bit boring, but like it's not. <laughs> well, I don't think it's boring because it's quite a live political topic. So once you start getting your head into this, Again, you know, it's one of these maybe, maybe not sort of subjects. So, for instance, like you've got the courts. So, should the courts, should the courts basically have a constitutional arrangement? And if so, what should it be? Or should it just be open to subject matter assemblies? So, for instance, we might want to decide that juries... Um, definitely have the last say. You know, they can't be told by judges what to do. There's a big debate about this, as people know, in, in, the, in the UK, in the um, climate move, movement with people going to, uh, going to court and the judge going, no, you haven't got right to necessity. No, you can't defend yourself properly. So maybe that needs to set, be set down. Maybe what we need is uh, people from the jury to actually sit with the judge. Um, and most interestingly, maybe the jury actually sets the punishment in inverted commas. And we have a new constitutional arrangement where people only in the most extreme circumstances are put into confinement. You know, 90% of people, 90% of the time, are given support through mediation. Uh, and there's a whole sort of area of academic research on this. It's people sit down with their victims and you sort things out without um, retribution and what have you. I'm not going to go into it again, you know, you could have a whole bunch of episodes on it. But that is a direction of travel, is it not, right? So the question is, is, is this put in the Constitution or maybe there's just a citizens' assembly on it? The same with what I would call like the social constitution. So this is this, is this grey area. For instance, we've just mentioned this, is what happens to common resources of the UK or of the country you're in. Should they be owned by society? Well, maybe they should, you know, as a permanent nationalisation so that they can't be exploited by private interests. Should there be a constitutional arrangement on inheritance, which is the first and most fundamental mechanism of creating social inequality? You know, why is it that rich people give all their money to their kids who haven't earned it, all that sort of debate. Well, if we're going to fundamentally undermine the degeneration of societies due to uh, inheritance mechanisms, you know, people just becoming richer and richer because they've got more and more money, maybe that needs to be in the Constitution. Maybe not, you know. And obviously that raises the whole issue of capitalism in general, right? What is the role of the economy? Um, what's the role of workers in a company? Again, do they have a constitutional right to be represented on the board? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's social legislation um, to be discussed. One of the things which interests me the most, which I think is constitutional, is the power of the press. So the constitution, you know, the classical constitution dealt with how to make decisions about legislation, 
how to rule, how to make short-term decisions, how to make decisions about the budget. We sort of, that's the classical constitution. I would suggest that the constitution has to deal with power, power centers across the social space. What I mean by that is what the power of the rich and the power of, of the press. Uh, we've dealt a bit with the power of rich, right? Social legislation, uh, you know, rolling in the reconstructing capitalism. I'm going to do an add-on session about that. The press is really interesting. I mean, arguably the press has always been really powerful in societies, at least for the last 200 years since the beginning of print media. But arguably it's become even more powerful because of social media and people, you know, spending eight hours a day looking at adverts, you know, getting, getting their opinions formed for them. You know, there's a big debate about it, as I'm sure you know. Um, it seems to me that there should be a constitutional arrangement whereby um, the press is democratised and the social media is democratised. So, classically, there's been a juxtaposition, a conflict between the right and the left on this. The right says, no, you know, liberty, blah, 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 people should be able to do what they want. If some rich, you know, guy from Australia wants to control the press, you know, so be it. It's just another, you know, it's just another form of capitalism. It's just another company. Leave it all alone. And then there's been the traditional left approach, which is basically to have top-down legislation. You know, you have to do this. The government will tell the press what to do. The, the government's democratic, so why shouldn't it put constraints on the press? Well, because the government can get corrupted and it's not good for liberal society. So there's arguments around that. So for me, like the 21st century solution to this is to have again, the sortition move, right? Which is you have a council, you have a standing citizen assembly, you know, maybe it's a small one, maybe it's 20 people, and they consider complaints against the press. And if the press has done something horrendous, if something's happened on some social media that's outraged, there is uh, 20, 30 people, maybe there's several of these committees because, you know, there's going to be a lot of things to look at. It's a bit like a court and they go, you know what, we're ordinary people. That's no big deal. Get over it. Or they're going, that is really shit. You know, you deserve financial compensation. Com compensation. You know, that social media company wants to be fined or that, that newspaper needs to be, um, um, you know, give you compensation. And you have the right of reply, which to my mind is a really creative solution. So it dis disincentivizes the press writing shit stuff. So I've had stuff written by me, you know, that is just plainly untrue. And I just want to spend two or three hours, go to a citizens assembly group, you know, it's not going to take hours ago. No, this is a matter of fact. I didn't say that. I said this, they said that. And they go, okay, you're going to give Mr. Hallam 300 words on page two to say, actually, I'm Roger Hallam. This didn't happen. This is what did happen. You know, tough shit for the newspaper. They should get their facts right. And that raises all the boats, as you might say, rather than a race to the bottom because the newspapers won't want this to happen to them. And then, you know, there's arguments about foreign ownership. There's arguments around representation of, of the workers, the journalists in the papers. So again, this is a balancing situation, but needless to say, having one 
guy in Australia, whatever he's called, <laughs> running the Western world's press is pretty much not cool. All right. Okay, so, you know, there we are. There's a whole bunch of things you can have debates about, about, but you can hopefully see the direction of travel. You know, we're moving from this representational model to this sortition-based model. And I've given you a fairly concrete routine. Someone can go and write it up. I'm sure there's going to be lots of, you know, global Zoom calls about this in the coming months and years. And we're all going to be working together to actually... Uh, decide what the common people of the world actually want in terms of 21st century uh, institutions, constitutions. Okay, so I am going to do like an add-on session about this, which is even if it looks all hunky-dory, history shows it always degenerates. So is there something other than constant vigilance, as the quote goes, that can just make it that little bit more like unfuckupable um, without making it really inert and you know boring and oppressive. I don't know, but I'm going to be looking at that. So it's something something for you to sort out, <laughs> I guess. All right, what else do I need to say? I think I'm more or less done. Um, um, yeah, I'm going to be doing these add-on wider issues. Um, and next comes the conclusion. So, yeah, that comes next week. Thanks. <laughs>